Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Yes, our reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 to 44 and 50 through 55. If you'd like to read along, it's in the Pew Bible on page 1049. First, let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a physical body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must be put on imperishability and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. I want to continue reading from Paul's letter in 1 Corinthians. And I'll actually begin reading with the last verse of chapter 15. The apostle writes, Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, you should follow the directions I gave to the churches of Galatia. On the first day of every week, each of you was to put aside and save whatever extra you earn so that the collection need not be taken when I come. And when I arrive, I will send any whom you approve with letters to take your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, I, they will accompany me. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I go. I do not want to see you now just in passing, for I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. 
the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So not too long ago, actually, uh, someone has, was visiting us here at Village and saw me after worship and said, so um, t- tell me about Village. <laughs> I suppose I should get an elevator speech for this, but I don't know how to get all of you in the same elevator. <laughs> how would you answer that question? Would you talk about worship? Would you talk about how these musicians inspire us every week? Would you talk about our signature mission, Thelma's Kitchen last year, Avenue of Life this year? Would you talk about the way we practice friendship at Wednesday family dinners or even Stephen Ministry? Would you talk about our work with children or how our youth spend their spring break on a mission trip? Would you talk about in an age where millennials are staying away from church, we have a vibrant and honest ministry with young adults? Would you talk about our leadership in the PCUSA and how we worship on two campuses now? Would you talk about our international mission as close as our own border or as far away as Kenya? Tell me about village, she said. How would you respond? Would you just say that village is a family that is living toward God's promised day, a day we have never seen, but a day, that is, a day that is almost impossible to imagine, but it is a day that we trust, for it is the result of God's undying love, and we base our lives on it. Tell me about village. What would you say? Paul... Paul writes about resurrection, and it is clear that Paul is not speaking simply of life beyond the grave, as important as that is, but no, he's speaking of how the resurrection of Jesus Christ impacts our life and ministry right now. If I understand it, what Paul says is because because Christ is alive, his spirit is at work in the church even now. And so our ministry matters. He says it this way, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I love that. Your labor is not in vain. I love that, but I don't always feel that. Sometimes I wonder if the apostle was talking about me or about us. Sometimes I wonder, are we really growing closer to God's promised day? You look around and things are a mess. So is Christ really at work in us the way Paul describes? It is a promise I hold on to, but sometimes I hold on to it with that familiar prayer, I believe help my unbelief. But I've learned this. I've learned this. If, if I only look at the present, I can get discouraged. But when we take the long view, it is clear that Christ is at work in Christ's church and that our labor is not in vain. 
And speaking of resurrection, Paul is walking all the way to the end of his, this theological imagination and inviting us to peer into the undying love of God. He says, death did not destroy what God was doing in Jesus Christ. So when we engage in ministry, our work is never in vain, for Christ is alive and at work in us. It's pretty inspiring stuff. But then without taking a breath, Paul says, now concerning the collection of, for the saints, on the first day of the week, put aside your gifts. Talk about coming down off a mountaintop. Most readers of 1 Corinthians say that Paul finished his sermon in chapter 15, and in chapter 16, he moves to housekeeping. They, they finish worship and have a congregational meeting. That's how most, that's how most read it. It's just, it's just offerings and travel plans and whatnot. But I'm not convinced. I'm not sure that Paul doesn't write chapter 16 because he believes chapter 15 is true. In other words, because Christ is alive, we make our offerings. Because Christ is alive, we engage in the work of generosity. When he says our work in the Lord is not in vain, then Paul describes the Christian work of generosity. The reason we give, the reason we invest our money in the ministry of the church is because God raised Christ from the dead and the church is bearing witness to that work of resurrection. I've come to, I've come to see if if we take the long view, it's obvious that the risen Christ is moving us, is changing us, is molding us. And sometimes seeing what God has done among us in the past inspires us with confidence in that day that God has promised where all is going to be made right. As we live toward that day, our labor is not in vain. In Jeanette Wall's book, The Glass Castle, she tells of imagining resurrection, of the capacity to see life as it is and imagine it as it could be. She said it was her 10th birthday, and she tells it this way. She said, Dad took me outside the back patio and asked what I wanted most in the world. It's a special occasion, he said, seeing how it puts you into double digits. You're growing up fast, mountain goat, he said, so you'll be on your own in no time, so just tell me what you want. If it's humanly possible, you know I'll get it for you. She said, there was only one thing I truly wanted, something that would change all of our lives but I was afraid to ask. He said, go ahead, ask. I took a breath and said, do you think, do you think you could maybe stop drinking? It's resurrection imagination, seeing life as it is and imagining it as it can be. Paul says our labor are not in vain because tomorrow can be a new day, not just yesterday lived over again. And 
And that's why he talks about offerings. He, he, he talks about offering not because he's interested in funding a budget. No, it's about asking ourselves, what will God do among us if we trust the big things in our lives to God? We began this series with that thought. Can we trust God with the big things in our lives? Can we trust God with the big things in our world? I want to say yes to that. You do too. I do say yes to that. You do too. Sometimes. And sometimes we greet it with, we believe, help our unbelief. But part of the practice of saying yes, in my own, in my own spirituality, part of the practice of saying yes is taking the offering. Paul tells the Corinthians, take a collection, not because the church has a budget, but because Christ is alive, and we need to participate in that resurrection work. So, I don't know how you decide what you choose to invest in the ministry of the church. Uh, I hope you do. I don't know how you make that decision. Studies of American Christianity reveal that about that actually about 20% of people who attend Christian churches don't give anything away. They don't, they don't give anything to the church or any other charity. Further, while the church often speaks, or faith speaks of, of a tithe, of giving 10%, for Presbyterians, it's far less than that. It's for Presbyterians, I don't know what it is at Village, but for Presbyterians in general, it's about 1.8%. So I don't know how you make that decision. I, I don't know if it's a discipline for you or a spur of the moment thing, but I, I do know this from my own faith. I know this, that there's a relationship between our faith and our generosity. There just is. I have a friend from my church in Florida named Russell, and Russell said to me one time, he said, he said, Tom, you talk about the joy of being generous. He said, I'm not, I'm not quite getting that joy. Can you tell me what I'm missing? He was genuinely asking. He said, tell me what I'm missing. I said, well, well, Russell, what percentage are you giving away? He said, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't think about it like that. And I said, well, maybe you should think about it that way. My hunch is you're not feeling the joy because you're not giving enough. You see, if we just give leftovers, it has no impact on us. But if we give to the point that it impacts our lives, joyful. I've never known anyone who was really generous and regretted it. Never. Uh, Carol and I, we, we tithe. It, it changes our choices, but faith is supposed to influence our choices, right? So, so we give to Village 10%, and, and we build everything else around that, and, and it feels faithful to us. And joyful. And the joy comes from knowing that in a very concrete way, we're practicing what we're practicing our hope. We're living toward God's promised day. Now I know, I know to see the movement toward that, to see the movement toward a new day, it it requires taking the long view. So I was thinking this week. Uh, 
Reverend Melanie Hardison. She moved to town this week. She's going to spend the next few days unpacking boxes, no doubt, and figuring out where the mixing bowls go. And then she's going to begin her ministry among us on December the 2nd. And a couple of weeks ago, you extended a call to Reverend Sally Wright to join our staff as a call and installed pastor. It is an exciting time for us at Village. And to call these two women seemed like the most natural thing in the world, the most faithful thing in the world. But that wasn't always the case. Can I tell you how we got here? It was a Sunday in February 1960. The most amazing thing happened at Village Church. Village in 1960, there were 5,000 members in this church family. And in those days, people went to worship every Sunday. And so this room was packed. And when the scripture was read, you could hear a pin drop. Do you know why? Because in February of 1960, women read the scripture at every service. I'm not kidding. It really happened all by themselves. They read the scripture. It had never happened before, and it turns out women are pretty good at reading the scripture. Well, now, though, the camel's nose is in the tent, as they say. And so in December of 1963, the nominating committee presented their slate of officers, and the congregation evidently intentionally elected Phyllis Machette the first female elder in the life of Village Church. The elder who chaired the worship committee at the time suggested that the best way for Phyllis to help with communion would be to come on Saturday and and prepare the elements so that on Sunday when those heavy trays were passed, she wouldn't have to carry those heavy trays. And then a man named Bill Deegan I love Bill Deegan. He said, absolutely not. She was elected as an elder just like the rest of us, and if we're in the sanctuary serving communion, she's serving with us. Any questions? There were no questions. 20 years later in 1984, at a congregational meeting, a call was extended to Reverend Diane Cook, a seminary classmate of mine, actually. The village had had a number of women serving on the staff in a variety of capacities, including Methodist Rena Yoakum and Sister Catherine Johnson, a Catholic nun. But this was the first time that a woman was called and installed as a pastor of this church. And in my first worship service in 2004, my very first service, I led worship with Diane Quaintance. She was the third woman called and installed as a pastor of this church, which means today we have as many women pastors on staff as Village had in the first 55 years of its history. And it just seems natural, right? It doesn't seem like a thing. And it's right that it doesn't seem like a thing. But not that long ago, it would have been hard to imagine. Now, why am I telling you that? Not to say that we've arrived, 
But to say that our imagination is not big enough. To say that God is continuing to pull us to a new day. And and what God has done among us in the past should inspire us to broaden our dreams. Every day I talk to you about God's promised day. And I don't know how you think of it. Maybe it's a day when the poor will no longer be, be blamed for their poverty. Maybe it's a day when a person's race is no longer a reason to dehumanize. Maybe it's a day when people will matter more than nations. Maybe it's a day when, when our children will no longer be afraid that they'll be shot at school. Maybe it's a day when Kenyans and Dominicans and Haitians Don't have to wonder if the doctor's going to come back this May. Maybe it's a day, maybe it's a day when swords are beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, where justice rolls down like waters and where all of God's children are treated as God's children. It is a day we have never seen, and in truth, it's kind of hard to imagine. But we are living toward that day. I don't know why you give to Village. Maybe it's to make sure these musicians have the music they need. Maybe it's to make sure our children have what they need in these classrooms. Maybe it's to make sure our youth can take trips. Maybe it's to support our mission through Front Porch or the food pantry or around the globe. Or maybe it's just to make sure we have a time of worship to be with God both here and at Antioch. Whatever reason you might have, know that your gift is making that happen. But even more than that, your generosity is resurrection work. It is empowering us to live toward God's promised day when all will be well. And we aren't there yet. But because folks just like you, through the decades, have been generous and enabled village to be village, we are, without a doubt, closer than we once were. Imagine what God might do through us if we trust the big things in our lives and the big things in the world to God. Imagine what God might do through us. And when you do, make sure your dreams are big enough that they can only be carried with prayer. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.